If you've been listening to my show for a while, you know how I like to talk about a gut biome test. I call it a fancy poop test. It's a fancy name for a poop test. And it's going to tell us what the ecosystem is in your gut. And why that's important is since food's the best medicine, it's going to tell us, here are your superfoods just for you to eat. Here are the foods for you to avoid. And here's everything else. Eat this a lot. Eat this a little. Now, my team has been very busy and they got an amazing deal. For anybody that wants to do this test, you can do it at home. You don't need a doctor's orders. All you have to do is just go to Viome, V as in Victor, I-O-M as in Mary, E.com, Viome.com. And at checkout, use the secret code, Julie Ryan, and you'll get more than 50% off. Don't put any spaces in there, just Julie Ryan. It's an amazing test. It's going to give you tons of information. I've done it several times myself, and you're going to be thrilled with the information you get because it'll give you a program just for you. Give it a whirl. Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could be with us this evening. My intention in doing this show is to provide inspiration, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And boy, do I have a surprise for you this week. I've got Sandra Ray from Ireland who's on, and we're going to talk about angels. And you, you are magical girl. Welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to have you. I got to be on your show and I'm so delighted that I get to have you on my show now. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And we've already met, so we know each other now. So it's just having a chat and talk about angels, my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I was telling Sandra before we got started that there's something going on with the UK, especially the Irish with me today, because I got a card this morning on my walk. I forgot to get the mail last night. So I got it this morning out of the mailbox. And I got a card from a dear friend who's Irish, who lives in Boston, like born and raised in Ireland. And it was the Irish blessing. And she just said, thinking of you, you know, so nice to to have you in my life, that kind of thing, which was lovely. So then my first client was in London. And then my second client was in Dublin, Ireland. And now I have you. So I said, what's up with the Irish and the the UK thing today? I'm expecting something magical. I know, exactly. (laughs) I'm expecting something magical to happen. And it's funny, speaking of cards, I was about to um, go live with my group yesterday. And I just had this feeling that the doorbell was going to ring or something was going to happen. And I was thinking, oh no, I was like, we're going to be going through meditation. I don't want to have any disturbances. And I sat down and I heard the postman at the door. I was like, maybe that's what I was tuning into. So I I went out to check and I saw there was a card there and it was from you. And it was so funny because I was literally thinking about you and 
today what we were doing and the card arrived in and I said that was Julie sending me a message I tuned into it (laughs) oh I love that don't you love that when those things happen and people say oh what a coincidence well there's no coincidence in that that's just all part of the serendipity and synchronicity and all the woo-woo that's out there of how we're all connected with all and we miss it so many times we miss it and people always say to me but why don't I get signs from my angels? And I, I want to say to them, your angels are shaking you. They're like giving you the signs, but you're just like missing them because you're going back to your day. And um, it's funny because I remember saying to my husband once, ask for a sign. And we were going about our day and I, I knew what the sign was that he'd asked for. And I could see it popping up everywhere. And I was saying to him, have, have you seen seen that sign yet he's like no no I haven't seen it I was like okay and then eventually I pointed out I was like look (laughs) but we do we tend to miss the signs if we're not aware and um, when we're particularly busy and stressed it can be easy to miss them but um, we we have to be a little bit more aware of their signs and how they communicate with us well not only that but I think when we see the signs and we think oh that's a sign. And then we immediately discount it. And we say, oh, that's just my imagination. That's not really true. So we'll talk more about that, especially the signs from the angels. But let me read your official bio here. I have to put on my glasses so I can do that. Does it make me look smarter? (laughs) You look very smart anyway. Oh, okay. Well, good. (laughs) So Sandra Ray is an author, healer, and spiritual teacher. She helps empaths get crystal clear guidance from the angels each day so they can stop doubting themselves, what we were just talking about, and their decisions and start trusting they are guided and taken care of. She's the host of the Fiercely Spiritual podcast, which I got to be a guest on, which I loved, and creator of the Fiercely Spiritual Family Members Group. So we'll talk more about that. Obviously, I already mentioned Sandra lives in Ireland. Tell everybody where in Ireland you are. So I'm in Dublin and I'm right next to, um, we call them mountains. Technically, they're not mountains because they're not big enough. They're only hills. Uh Um, We don't really have that many mountains in Ireland, but um, but they're called the Dublin Mountains. Um, So it's a lovely place. We're near the city, but we're near the mountains. And we also have the sea as well. So it's a lovely area. You get the best of both worlds. Yeah. All right. She lives in Ireland where she spends her days doing the work that she loves, meditating and mountain biking with her husband and two boys. And tell everybody how old your boys are, Sandra. So they are six and eight. So they're so funny because you mentioned the mountain biking. I've only recently started. My husband has been doing it for a while, but um, the two boys um, I have to try and keep up with them. The younger boy, I can just about match his speed, <laughs> but it's great fun. Um, they have all the kit where they have the padding and, you know, the uh, protection. So, um, yeah, we have good fun. I bet. I bet. I've been to Ireland a couple of times. And the first time I went, it was such a thrill because I always think of Ireland as being magical. And I think most people around the world do as well. And I landed there. I was with my son at the time who was still in school and he wanted to go to Ireland for spring break 
one year. And so he and I went to Ireland. My husband couldn't come. And so just Jonathan, my son and I went and he's grown and married now. So this was a while ago, but we landed in Dublin and all I could see as far as I could see were jets that said Ryanair on them. And I thought, oh, these are my people. You know, I mean, they've even got all these planes named after my family. So I thought that was a great start to a magical trip with just seeing my name plastered everywhere all over the airport. Yeah. And it's funny, um, you mentioned your son. My eldest son is Jonathan as well. So there's another connection. (laughs) There you go. How do you spell it? J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. The perfect way, the right way. I had no idea there were so many spellings for Jonathan until I had him. And then all these people were misspelling its name. So I love it when when I meet someone who spells it correctly. So good job on that. All right. So tell us how about your childhood. I, I referred to, I think, the most people's perception of Ireland is there's something magical about it. I know as a child, I, of course, was taught about the leprechauns and and the fairies and all of that. And one of my favorite quotes that I read about Ireland was a an American archaeologist was there and he was doing a survey and he asked a woman, he said, do you believe in fairies? And she said, no, sir, I do not. And they're everywhere. <laughs> so, it's almost like it's ingrained in the culture. So tell us about your childhood and growing up in what what others perceive as a magical place. Did you have that same perception? Well, I think when you grow up and spend your whole life in a certain place, it doesn't necessarily seem magical because you're used to it. It's just normal. And um, but having said that, um, even though it was normal, I mean, the, there's some magical places in Ireland that even I, when we'd go to visit these places and we'd go on, you know, a holiday camping or something when I was younger, and you know, the Cliffs of Moher and um, the Giant's Causeway and all these amazing places and um, Skellig Michael, uh, you know, it, it's just there's so much Ireland, and we were talking about mountains. Um, there's amazing places where um, you can go. There's like mountains and rivers and beaches and um, there's just so much. But that link with the fairies, the angels, um, you know, leprechauns, all that type of thing. I think that is something that we all grow up with. And I was just talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about, um, you know, nature angels and elementals. And we were talking about how people are starting to really connect with them again. And I was watching a film by an Irish studio, it was with my children, and it's called The Secret of Kells. And it's all about the Book of Kells, but it's an animation. But I loved how they brought in all that magical side to it. And they show like the nature and forests and wolves and the spirits and it just brings it to life. And that same studio actually have a number of other movies um, that are on a similar vein where it's like Irish tradition and they have, um, I think it's called The Wolf Walkers is another one. Um, and it's just so magical and it really brings it to life. And I have to say, when I was watching it, I was just so proud of that Irish like heritage and that magical side of it. So yeah, it's something that we probably do take for granted. Um, but I know we'll be missing, and last year certainly, um, we weren't able to celebrate St. Patrick's Day because we were all in lockdown. And 
everybody was like, what's going on? We can't celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We can't go out on the streets. We can't have parades. And yeah, that's something that um, obviously with the Irish tradition, we're very social. We love to get together. We love to be in each other's company. And I know it's been hard for everybody around the world, um, but it's something that I think the Irish culture really and um, that social aspect is so important to us. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that um, when people come to visit, they really a lot of people say to me, the Irish are so friendly. And again, you just take it for granted. But it is true when you go to other countries. I remember the first time I went to Paris and even though I love the French people, you know, trying to stop somebody on the street to ask for directions, they're just like walking straight ahead. <laughs> they don't want to stop. Um, and that's in a big city and in all big cities you have that a little bit um, but yeah Irish people will fall over themselves to stop and help you usually. Right for those of us who don't know tell us a little bit about the book of Kells what is the book of Kells? Okay so the book of Kells is a book that was created by monks and it has all of these wonderful drawings. And if you've ever seen like Celtic symbols, sure. um, you know, the kind of the swirly kind of Celtic symbols. So a lot of that um, is contained within the Book of Kells. And it would have, I don't know if um, they are derived from the Book of Kells, um, but certainly the art within it is amazing. And at that time, they wouldn't have had the utensils that we have today. They would have been um, using nature to create inks. And um, the fact that it's withstood the years, um, it's on display in our uh, one of our universities, Trinity. And it, it, they, they turn a page every day. It's under glass cover and they turn a page each day so that people can view the beautiful drawings and the writing. Now, it's something that it was um, created and then lost and then refound. And I, I won't go into the full history of it, but um, it's a very, very old text that was created by monks. And um, it's part of the heritage of, I think, that creative side, that creative aspect. You always hear about Irish artists and poets and singers and we all have that I think very deeply as well ingrained in us that creative side. I agree and I've been I've seen it and I've been to that library when I've been in in Ireland and it's in Dublin yes. and it's beautiful it's an amazing place and so I've seen it but others may not have heard of it so thank you for explaining that it sounds like those movies are worth watching even if you yeah. don't have kids you know the animation anymore is just so amazing yeah. Frozen 2 Frozen 1 was wonderful but Frozen 2 is one of my all-time favorite movies that and Mary Poppins my family <laughs>, laughs at me my man my husband and Jonathan laugh at me because Mary Poppins is my favorite movie they just roll their eyes and say oh but I'd I'd sit and watch kids movies all day um, and I wouldn't be a big fan of some of the adult movies. I don't like scary movies. I don't like tense movies. I just love the ones that like create that feel good factor. And um, yeah, I love when the kids are sitting down. We have our Saturday night movie night and we all sit down together. And we watch something. So, um, yeah, it's it's lovely just to like be immersed in that feel good uh, factor of those kids movies. So back to when you were a child, you talked about the Cliffs of Mohar. 
Did I say that right? Mohar? Um, yeah, Mohar. Mohar. Yeah. And I've been there as well. So when you were a child and you went there for the first time, what did you, what did you perceive? What did you sense? What felt magical about that? Well, it's funny. Well, anyone who doesn't know the Cliffs of Mower, um, it's on the west coast of Ireland and there are these huge cliffs and obviously there's the sea, um, but there's a, like a huge drop. I don't know how many, how big it is, but it's a huge, big drop. And there's a section of it where there's like a flat and people used to go to the very edge and they'd put the, their heads over the edge to look down and they'd lie on that section. I think it might be um, cordoned off now, um, but my memory of it was actually being really curious about the edge and my mother saying, come back, come back, <laughs> as you do when you're kids. Um, but yeah, it's just amazing to be on that edge, the edge of the world, it feels like, and have this expanse of sea in front of you. And actually, I was back a few years ago and it was raining really, really heavily. And I remember the next day the sun came out and it was a beautiful day and I was over the other side. So I was looking over at the cliffs of Moher. And I could see this like gushing water coming out from a part of it, like this huge waterfall, which hadn't existed the day before. And it was obviously all the water running off the land that was just gushing out the side of it and just standing there in awe. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to explain when you're talking about things like this because you really have to experience it. And it's something I always say to people when we talk about the angels as well, you have to experience the angels. Um, you know, it's like I say to people, if you if you were to take a bite of ice cream and, or if you'd never tasted it before and I was describing to somebody what the ice cream tasted like, I could say to people, well, you know, it's cold and it's creamy and it's sweet but you're never going to know unless you actually eat it yourself and experience it for yourself. When we were at the cliffs, what I experienced was the, the energy that was coming from the power of the sea banging up against that cliff and the rock. And it, it felt like what it felt like at Niagara Falls for us here in New York, you know, half of it's in New York and half of it's in Canada. And just the hydropower I had that same feeling there. I didn't see any fairies or angels or anything running around on the cliffs, but it was more an energetic feeling of just the the power of the sea crashing against the cliffs and the the um, and interestingly enough, I've seen a scene similar to those cliffs several times in past lives with people where and it's usually a woman. And I've seen it a couple of times in particular where a woman was part of a big estate, perhaps maybe nobility or in a blue blood, you know, they were a duchess or a lady or something, <clears throat> excuse me, and the husband died and the woman didn't have children and the primogeniture thing where the oldest man in the family inherits everything. And so she all of a sudden found herself out of a place to live and because it was a distant relative that was coming in, maybe a cousin or a second cousin or somebody like that. And I've seen a couple of past lives where women have thrown themselves off cliff looking scenes into the sea 
similar to what I saw there. And I thought that was really interesting. Not that necessarily it was where it was where that scene took place, but it was a similar scene all up and down the West Coast. Of It was certainly in the UK because there was that whole nobility thing and blue blood thing and primogeniture thing going on that mm. was uh, very prevalent there and still is today, isn't it? Um, well, I don't know to what extent. Um, I'm sure there is some of it going on, um, but I don't uh, pay. No, I mean much that attention. the that the oldest the oldest male inherits like the, you know, if it's a duke title or an earl title or whatever, isn't it that the oldest male inherits that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I was talking about. Um, no, I to be honest, I'm sure it does happen, but. I wouldn't think it's very prevalent. Um, certainly, uh, obviously in the UK with their royal family, there might be to some extent, but um, these days, you know, it's usually the will that takes precedent. Oh, really? Interesting. Mm. I was listening to someone not too long ago who was talking about the real estate market in Ireland. She said, yeah, I picked up a lovely little castle for a bargain and bought it. I thought, okay, that was just such a fun thing. So back to your childhood again, when did you start communicating with angels? Did you do that as a child? Did you do that as an adult? Did you learn how to do it? Did you find it just came in naturally? What was, what was the sequence of events or were there a sequence of events that transpired to get you to where you are today? So as an adult, before I really started working um, with the angels, I would have told you that as a child, I didn't have a connection. But when I looked back, um, I realized I was always very spiritual, but I loved writing songs. And I don't know what age I would wrote. I, I was always just kind of writing lyrics and writing out things. And I remember years later, I was moving house and I discovered these songs that I'd written, this box filled with, you know, different lyrics. And I took them out. And as I was reading through some of the lyrics, I realized that I'd been channeling messages. And of course, at the time, I thought I was just writing these songs and I just com felt compelled to write these songs that, you know, were kind of coming through me. And it was just uh, it was just for fun. So when I actually found them years later and I looked at them, it was a shock that there was these messages coming through them. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was happening. So I would have always been very close to my guardian angel. I would have you know, prayed to my guardian angel. And as a child, I was taught like the prayer to your guardian angel. Um, and do you still remember it? Yes, I do. And I also say the same prayer with my uh, two boys, but actually it's kind of evolved a bit because they came home with a new version of it that was a little bit updated with What's more modern. What's the version language. that you learned? So guardian angel, my guardian dear, to whom God's love, God's love commits, commits me, here, me here. Forever this day be by my yeah, side. By side. To, to light and guard, to, guard, to, to rule, rule and to guide. guide. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I learned the same thing as a child. And it, yeah. it, isn't that fun that we both can just still recite it? I mean, certainly I learned it, you know, twice as long ago as you did, because I'm <laughs> twice as old as you are. But, but isn't that, and I did some research on that prayer and it, oh, it's over a thousand years old. Really? Mm -hmm. And I, I'll I never knew that. that. 
I'll send you the the information that I found on it. But you think about the billions and billions of Catholic children that have been taught that prayer throughout the last thousand years. And we in turn teach it to our children as well. So there's something special about that. What so you said that prayer and you you said that you had a relationship as your guardian with your guardian angel as a child. Tell us about yeah. that. I I would have like I remember going to bed and like saying that prayer and like moving over in the bed to leave some room for my guardian angel oh, to like lie down sweet. beside me. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, I would have, you know, talked to my guardian angel and I wouldn't have seen necessarily an um like any image of them. Um that happened later as I started to open up like my third eye and clairvoyance, but um, yeah, I always felt very connected. And I remember I would have recited that prayer every day. And then as I was kind of a teenager, I, I kind of forgot about it. I don't know how long it was for. Um, it was probably for a few years. And then as things started changing in life, I remember just getting this like um, intuitive kind of nudge that I needed to start saying it again. Because I think the reason was that the angels need us to invite them into our lives because we have free will. So if we don't want them to help us, they they won't, they'll stand by us, but they won't interfere. So I kind of felt that I needed to start saying that prayer again. I think that helped open up things and kind of led me then on the spiritual path that I started taking. So yeah, it would have been very innocent, certainly I wouldn't have called myself, you know, psychic or clairvoyant or anything like that, but I did have that connection. Did you talk about it with your family or with your mom or did you just keep it to yourself? Did And did your family talk about those kinds of things? Was anybody in your family talking to angels to your knowledge or able to communicate with spirits to as far as you knew? Um, there would have been a connection on my mom's side, but it wasn't like there was nobody who you could say was psychic or that was um, practicing anything like that. But I know my mother is very intuitive and would always like even I remember one time I was in New York and my purse had been stolen. And I remember my mom ringing me and saying, is everything okay? I got a sense that something was wrong. Like she'd be very in tune with the energy. And um, I explained it to her. She's like, oh, okay. She's like, you're all right. I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay. So um, she's very intuitive and would be very in tune with, you know, the energy. And even now, um, because I've taken this path, she meditates and she is doing, you know, things that years ago she would never have done. And she's very open to her spiritual side. Um, my father was as well. Um, I remember he uh, learned to, to, uh, to do Reiki and um, was very open to, you know, energy and healing. Um, so, yeah, th- they were very open. So that obviously helped me um with my spirituality and connecting with the angels. Were you apprehensive about sharing that with them when you first started connecting or did you just volunteer it? No, it kind of was organic. It wasn't a sudden, you know, um, thing that happened. And 
I think for me, the fear was more so of sharing it with the rest of the world. Mm. My family was a safe place. Um, it was when I was in work, working in my corporate job, um, you know, trying to hide that I was a healer and that I communicated with angels. And people would always have come to me for advice and people just like radiated towards me and they would tell me their problems. And I always found that people would come to me, people who barely even knew me would sit down and after five minutes they'd have told me all their problems and you know I think they just felt that healing um vibe or that healing energy and I would have been very open to listening and um being in that space of I suppose what I was told actually once was that the healing energy that runs through me is always on so for most people, you have a healing where you, well, I used to do Reiki, so you direct the energy through your hands. And then at the end, you close down your energy field um, and the energy stops flowing. But for me, that was always flowing once I became attuned to Reiki. And I remember even I was like doing a healing exchange with somebody one time. And it was funny because she was at my head and it was somebody I would have trained with. And she was like, Sandra, she said, I, even though I'm doing the healing with you, she's like, you are sending me healing. I can feel the healing coming back. Like oh, you're sending. Yeah. She was like, stop it. <laughs> um, so yeah, there would have been that aspect, but I was very afraid of opening up to the world and sharing it with the world. And I always felt that particularly the angels, there was like this taboo. There was those who believed. And then there was that other side who had nothing to do with it and didn't want to hear and had no belief at all. So yeah, I just felt that it was safer for me at that stage to stay quiet and not talk about it. Was there a catalyst that led to you saying, okay, I'm, I have to do this and just taking the leap and having the golden ovary courage, you know, guys have brass balls and girls have golden ovaries. So did you have a, an event that transpired that really led you to say, okay, enough already. I'm going to put myself out there. So I knew when I was in my corporate role, I loved what I was doing, but I knew that I wasn't going to be doing it forever. And I knew that I wanted to start, you know, my healing practice. And I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll start doing it part-time. And at the time I was living in an apartment and there was a group of shops beside where I lived. And in one of them, there was a yoga studio above the shops. Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking, I wonder, do they have any therapy rooms? And I could probably rent out a therapy room and do some healing part time. And literally one day I was like walking along and I hadn't had the courage to go in. I had just thought about this in my head and the door would have always been locked. There was like a code to put in if you're a member of the studio. So I was walking along and somebody opened the door and before I knew it, I had walked in and I like it literally felt like somebody was at my back pushing me in like I didn't want to go in I was like afraid of taking that step and it was literally like this force just pushed me in through the door and then I went upstairs and 
the owner of the studio happened to be at reception. And I said, I practice Reiki. I'm looking for a place to rent a therapy room. And they said, oh, we had a girl who did Reiki here. She's just left and we have a room that you can use. So divine timing. And I started there. I started practicing part time. And I did that for probably a couple of years. And I was still doing my full time work and I was finding that I was kind of drawn. I had like this kind of like dual life where I was doing my corporate work and then, you know, at weekends or some evenings, I was doing the healing work. So I knew I couldn't continue on like that. And it was actually at the time, uh, yeah, it was after I was pregnant, I'd had my son and I'd taken that step away. I was on maternity leave. So I'd taken that step away from that working environment. So I knew, okay, if I'm going to do it, now is the time because if I go back into that environment, it's going to be even harder to step away. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do this full time and I'm going to set an intention not to be going back to that corporate world and to have this as what I do full time. So that was nine years ago. So (laughs) you were led, you were led Mm. to do it all along. Yeah. Okay. Why angels in particular, instead of just all of woo woo, you know, I say I'm a buffet of psychicness. And so we, I talk to angels, talk to deceased loved ones, talk to any spirit attached to a body, talk to any spirit that isn't attached to a body. It doesn't matter. Why angels in particular? What led you to angels? And what do angels look like to you? So there's two parts to this. The first part is after I was led to Reiki, first of all, so I did all my levels of Reiki. And after that, there was two paths I was thinking of going down. One was the angel one, and the other was shamanism. And I had heard of um, this group of shaman who did training in the UK, and I was really interested on going and taking that training. And I remember emailing them and asking about, you know, what courses were coming up and there were were courses coming up, but it was actually in a place that would have been really hard for me to get to. It wasn't near an airport. Um, It was so I would have had to like rent a car and then travel. So there was a few kind of, um, I suppose, uh, things that were in the way of it happening easily. So... I remember I used to go into bookstores and I'd go over to the mind, body, spirit section. And at the time it wasn't that big. <laughs> and I remember like an angel book just like falling off the shelf and picking it up. And I just looked and I thought, OK, this is what I want. I want to know about angels. And I brought that book home and I was reading the book and it was telling you all about how to you know, connect with your angels and learning about the different types of angels. And there was part of it where it said, if you want, you can ask your angels for a sign that they're with you. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds like a really good idea. But at the back of my mind, I was a little bit afraid of doing it. I didn't want to fully commit to it. Um, But because I'd made the decision and said, yes, I will do this, I just hadn't planned on doing it that very instant. Um, As I continued reading the book, 
this feeling started to um, develop around my heart. It was like this glow, this like warm, glowy feeling. And I thought, oh, that's unusual. Where's that coming from? And as I sat there, I just kind of stopped reading and I was just like feeling this like sensation and it started to expand and it started to grow and it just enveloped my whole body, my whole energy field, this like glowing warmth, this loving feeling. And I remember laughing to myself thinking, well, if the angel are going to give me a sign, that's certainly the way to give it. So yeah, that was kind of confirmation that I was on the right path. And then I discovered um, a wonderful teacher who was um, teaching angel healing. And I went through all the levels and devoured everything I could get. And yeah, just the more I delved into it, the more I loved it. But the second part to that is, and a few people who, healers who I've worked with have said this, that my origin, if you will, my soul or my essence is angelic. So I have that side to me where I suppose it was only a matter of time until I reconnected with that. Do you see angels in addition to hearing them and feeling them? And what do they look like to you? So when I started to see angels, this was when I began opening up my third eye and began working with them in more detail. So it would be like a glowing kind of light, like an orb, but it would usually be at the kind of peripheral of my vision at the like kind of side. And when I'd look, it would disappear. And then as I kind of developed, I'd start seeing them in different ways. When I was meditating, I'd close my eyes. I'd often see like a face um, of an angel and it would be very clear and very detailed. But when I had my eyes open, it was usually like these glowing lights. And I remember one time, I always tell people when you're connecting with the angels to call them in. And I remember one time I was in my bed and this was at the start of kind of working with the angels. And I was calling in Metatron and uh, I remember saying his name, calling him in. And I don't know if you've ever watched Star Trek where like they're beam, it's like beam me up and this like kind of light and then their body kind of disappears. Well, it was like this light beamed into the room and this like tower of light. And I remember laughing, thinking, oh, when you call them in, they actually beam in. <laughs> so I've seen them that way. I've experienced um, in my dreams as well, the angels and Archangel Michael as the most beautiful, the most handsome um, being you've ever seen. And I always think it's so unfair. These angels are so gorgeous. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, lots of different ways with regard to visual. Um, and then obviously, you know, feeling them, hearing them um, and sensing them and getting signs from them. Does Archangel Michael have on a, a shield? Does he have a shield and a sword? And does he have those lace up? Roman sandals and all of that when you so, picture him? Yeah, when I am working with Archangel Michael, I see 
um, it's like this kind of blue and silver energy. And I would, I'd see his sword um, like a lightsaber, mm-hmm. like a literally like a laser kind of beam of light. And yeah, he would have some armor on him to a certain extent. Um, but funnily enough, when I experienced him in my dream, he was this like just beautiful, handsome man, just dressed normally, um, not holding a shield or, you know, with any sword or anything like that. Um, so and of course, the angels present themselves to us in human form so that we can relate to them, um, but they can take on any form. Exactly. And and that's what I tell people, the same thing, because angels appear to me like they do in the paintings and the, you know, the European old masters paintings and the statuary and that kind of a thing. Like I was taught they looked as a girl going through 12 years of Catholic schools, big wings, white gown, the archangels, you know, like you describe, have armor and the lace-up sandals, because that's what the statuary looks like that I've seen my whole life. But they, perhaps to somebody growing up in an indigenous culture in the Amazon, for instance, they may see an angel as a ball of lime green colored energy or something uh, completely different. Because that's relatable to them. Well, and they don't have that frame of reference. That we do. So I agree with you that spirit will show up in a way that we can make have some kind of frame of reference, some kind of human frame of reference. And it's funny you're talking about the Star Trek because that's I use that a lot. I always say, beam me up, Scotty, how they the person that they're beaming turns into a hologram of themselves. And that's how spirits appear to me is a hologram of whatever they looked like in the life that they led. Does everybody have a guardian angel? Most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. And I find that they're really helpful. They save me time. They're easy to take. And I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals. B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, altogether, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals, dot com, and use Julie Ryan at checkout, and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. Yeah, so... Everybody has a guardian angel. Some people, a lot of people have multiple guardian angels, not just one. Um, and but I always say that your guardian angel, your guardian angel is like your best friend. And you can choose to be their best friend, or you can choose to ignore them. <laughs> and most of us ignore them. And our poor guardian angels, they're like you know that best friend who gives you the best advice. You know, when you're like in that state of like, oh, everything's going wrong. I don't know what to do. And you ring your best friend or you see your best friend and they just have the 
perfect advice for you. Like, oh, why didn't I think of that? So that's what your guardian angel is like. And most of the time, they're giving us this advice if we're asking for it. Um, but firstly, we forget to ask. Secondly, we don't even realize we're there. They're they're there beside us. And then for those of us who do know and who do say angels help or whatever, then we miss the signs. So there's so much going on. Um, but your guardian angels will be that best friend. They will advise you. They will guide you. And when we don't work with our guardian angels, it's like if you were trying to like clean the garden or uh, do some work in the garden and you had a shed full of tools and you had all those available to you, but you were trying to like dig by hand or sweep or not even have a sweeping brush. Um, and our guardian angels are like that. They provide this toolkit where we have all these things that we can call on them for and we're just not using that toolkit and it's it's such a travesty because they want to help us they want to give us those tools they want to guide us um but that's our choice if we don't want to receive that guidance we don't have to and they're not going to force it and they're going to love us unconditionally one way or the other do you find that guardian angels stay with the same spirit throughout all of their lifetimes the same guardian angel so you're assigned a guardian angel even before your birth and that that guardian angel will stay with you through lifetimes through incarnations um and yeah that you know um they're not going to leave so it's like every incarnation you go through um that guardian angel will be with you now there's other angels and spirit guides that will come and go but yeah, that angel will be with you throughout. Is I that concur. your experience? I concur. Yeah. <laughs> I get the same thing, that the same guardian angel stays with us through all of our lifetimes and that uh, spirit guides come and go. And when somebody's dying, that's my book, Angelic Attendance, how we're surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones. Guard our main guardian angel will pull in other angels at times. And we have other angels surround us at times, but the, but our guardian angels kind of like the CEO of the angel squad that's around us is kind of my perception of it. And it's funny because oftentimes people will want to know what their guardian angels name is. And so I'll ask their angel and we'll get a name and, and they're just used to me now because I've gotten these names before Sandra and perhaps you have too. I'd love to hear your take on this where they'll give me some name with 17 letters in it and no vowels, <laughs> you know, just all consonants. And I'll say, how in the heck am I supposed to pronounce that? Can you give me an American English nickname? And it'll be like Sam or, or, you know, Anne or something like that. And, <laughs> and I think that I believe that some of those names are either coming from dead languages or what we would consider a language that's no longer spoken here by humanity, or they're coming from different realities that we don't, of which we don't have any frame of reference for our human languages that we speak now, like a 17, you know, letter name with no vowels in it. And, and so what have you experienced that as well? Yeah. So, um, well, like we were talking about saying the angels 
put on a human form for us to relate to. Um, my experience is that angels don't have names. They oh. they give us a name for us to have something yes, I agree. to attach to. I agree. So they don't actually have names, but they will proffer you know something if we if we insist and like that I remember when I was a teenager asking my guardian angel for her name and the name Sarah came up and you know I was like that's very normal Uh, (laughs) but when my son Jonathan when he was little I remember saying to him about his angel and I was like does does your angel have a name and he was like yeah and I said what what's your angel's name and he said, Patu Breezy. And I thought that was so lovely. I was like, it's not a name that we would relate to, but Patu Breezy was the name that he came up with and that made perfect sense to him. Um, but what I usually say is when people ask me what my guardian, what what is my angel's name, I'll always say to them, you ask, you will get a name because you're the one who has that closest connection. And I can tune in for people, but I always like to empower people to do it themselves because they can. So it's always lovely when they do get it and they're like, I got a name. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Can everybody talk to their guardian angels and how do they do it? Yeah. So the same way we're talking now, you can talk out loud, you can talk in your head, they can read your thoughts. Um, your guardian angel knows you better than you know yourself, because as we said, they've been through lifetimes with you. They know you inside out. They know your true wants, your true desires without, you know, ego or any, you know, mental kind of um constructions that we've like you know we all have these roles that we say we're like a mother a daughter like certain profession or whatever and we call that's what who we are but our angels truly know that we're infinite spirit and they know exactly who we are on that soul level so the angels will communicate with you in the way that's best for you So if you're working with your angel and you're talking to your angel, your angel will communicate back with you. And sometimes because everybody has different um, ways that they communicate. So some people, it'll be clairaudience. They'll hear their angels talking. And some people, it will be clairsentience. They'll like feel their angels. So it just depends on how you relate, um, whether you're a visual person, whether you're kind of more of an um, audio, audio person, but the angels know the best way. So they'll always communicate in a way that is loving and that won't bring up any fear. So if you're saying to your angels, angels, please answer me. I want an answer. Um, if you were to hear this external voice, most people would probably be frightened to hear a voice. Or if you were to see suddenly this like seven foot angel appear in front of you, that would scare most people. So the angels aren't going to present themselves in that way, knowing that it might bring up fear in you. So they will never present themselves in a way that will bring up fear. So what will happen is they'll be more subtle and it'll come through your inner voice, your intuition, and people will start you know, that aha moment where you get a sudden, you know, inspiration and that's your angels. That's your guidance that you're getting. But if some people are really 
you know, if they're not listening to their intuition or maybe not open to their intuition, the message could it could come through a friend because your friend might be open to it. So your angel will talk to your friend's angel and they'll say, hey, listen, get this message through. Sandra needs to hear it. And it may be that your friend rings you and says, hey, um, I was just thinking about you. And this happens all the time where I'll have friends come up in, like pop up in my head out of the blue. And it might be somebody I haven't talked to in a while. And I always think, oh no, because when I text that person or when I contact that person, I'm like, is everything okay? <laughs> You've come up in my head. Um, usually they need some sort of help. And they're like, how did you know? <laughs> but um, yeah, so it it can be through a friend. Um, funny, I used to always get messages through songs. I would turn on the radio and the lyric of the song, it might be one line in the song, would be the exact message that I'd need to hear. And I noticed I'd always, and another thing that I used to always get when I was starting out was little symbols of hearts. I'd find little symbols of hearts everywhere in the most unusual places. And I always knew that that was my angel. So they'll communicate in so many different ways. And when we don't realize this, that's when we miss those signs. That's when we think, oh, well, that, that was my friend giving me advice. That wasn't the angels or that was just a song that came up on the radio or, yeah, that book, um, you know, it opened and I read something and that was what I needed. But that was from the book. That wasn't my angels. So we forget that it's the angels who are guiding us to turn on, you know, uh, Spotify or something at the exact right time or, um, well, it was the radio for me back then. But um, it's it's all those little things that we we don't attribute to the angels. We just think, well, you know, it's just a coincidence. Um, so yeah, they get very creative. <laughs> well, and to your point earlier of how you were a lyricist as a child and really weren't even aware of it, it's no surprise to me that they communicate to you through songs and lyrics in particular. I think that's fascinating. That, yeah. And it's that, funny you mentioned that I never put that connection together so yeah yeah absolutely absolutely when you're talking to different angels I know you will call in certain angels for certain tasks how does that work number one how do you know what angel is the best to call in for a certain task and number two how does that angel work with you or your client or your loved one in particular while maybe they've got thousands or more others that are calling on it for the same task at the same time? Can they work with several people simultaneously or, or is it, okay, I'm just going to work with Sandra and then I'll go work with Julie. How does that work? What's your experience on that? Yeah, well, um, I'll answer that first and then I'll go back to the other, but um, I actually asked this very same question of my teacher years back and I was saying about Archangel Michael at the time, and I was like, well, Archangel Michael, everybody calls on Archangel Michael. He can't be with millions of people at the same time. And his reply was, yeah, he can. He Like that holograph that you said, they can project themselves into all these spaces. And because they're multidimensional, they don't need to be like we're in our physical bodies in this space in this now present moment. But of course, time and space doesn't exist for them. So 
they can be in multiple places at multiple times and they don't need to go from one person to another. Can you imagine if Archangel Michael had to go from one person to the next? So yeah, they can be with millions of people at once and doing millions of things. And we see things from our limited perspective. We see things from our conscious um, point of view where we can literally, our minds can only concentrate on one thing at once. And that's why we have our subconscious doing all the background things so that we can actually function in this world. Um, so yeah, the angels don't have that limitation. They can be everywhere at once. Um, and the way I call on the angels, so... I, I like to use the rule of three where I call their name three times, but I remember I like it got to a point where I would be calling on Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, Archangel Uriel. I'd be calling on like all these angels and I'd be saying their name three times and it would take me like 10 minutes to call in the angels to actually do anything. Um, so the guidance I got was that I could say I call on my divine angelic team of light to be present and to connect with me now. So my divine angelic team of light covered all the bases, all of the angels who, and also when I was naming them, I was saying like Archangel Michael, Archangel Raphael, and those angels were coming in. But there was others who I was maybe forgetting to call on who wanted to work with me. So when I called on my divine angelic team of light, that left the door open for all those other angels who maybe I wasn't calling on to come in and help me. Because remember I was saying we have to be open to them by inviting them in. So, and when you say your divine angelic team of light, your team of light is the team of, you know, divine angels and guides. So the other thing people ask me is they're like, well, how do I know I'm not going to call in like, lower level like um, energies and if you're calling on your divine team of light then that makes no mistake it's like your team of divine light angels of love so yeah that's how I call them these days <laughs> my take on the how can they be in lots of places all at the same time is how it says in the bible we're made in the image and likeness of god and most people think god looks like some old man with white hair and a white beard and like Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies, I like to say, or Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies, sitting on a throne on a cloud someplace up in the sky. And how I perceive it is that God is energy and God can be everywhere and is everywhere all at the same time. And angels are the same way as our spirits are, as our deceased loved ones' spirits are. Because I hear so often from the deceased that I'm around you all the time. And it's not, okay, I'm just going to be around Sandra for 10 minutes, and then I'm going to go to Jonathan for 10 minutes, your son. That's not how it works. They're around you all at the same time when that happens so yeah and I agree I think that well I always see angels as messengers for God but it's like it's like a paradox because God is everywhere and we are God we have that divine spark and the angels they don't have to be that intermediary because we have a direct connection but because we don't believe ourselves to have that it makes it easier for us to connect with an angel 
who we feel it's easier to connect with rather than connecting with the creator of all. Um, so angels will act as messengers for the divine, but of course we can connect directly in with that as well. And certainly they're throughout all of the holy scriptures too, really in every in every culture and every religion, they may be called something different, but they're the same thing. They're they're just it's a way for us to understand based on what our frame of reference is, is how I see it too. Exactly. You you have a, a uh, I don't know if it's a program or a method or whatever that you call the four phases of the angel guidance roadmap. Can you tell us about that? So when people are starting to work with their angels or if they have been for a while and they they want to deepen that connection or even just get those clear signs and that clear guidance that they're not quite sure of. They might be feeling blocked or there might be just something that's stopping them. Um, I take them through these four phases and the four phases are phase one is connect. Phase two is guide. Phase three is uplift and phase four is maintain. So the connect phase is learning to connect with the angels. And the way I do it is I do it in steps so that they start getting really clear kind of palpable signs and feelings of their angels presence. So it's like building their confidence. And, you know, if you're asking for a message about something really big in your life, like you're like, I need an answer on this and you just can't get an answer. So You start with something really simple, something that isn't significant, something that you're not really too bothered one way or the other. And you can start developing that connection. And we start by learning to call in the angels, as I was talking about, and pausing to feel them around you. Because often we'll, and like I go about my day talking to my angels all the time, and it'll just be like an ongoing conversation. But for many people at the start, You have to sit and when you call them in, you have to just wait a minute and feel their presence. And if you wait for a second to actually feel that presence with you, then you know, okay, my angel are here. Now I can communicate with them. Now I can talk to them. So in phase one, we go through um, these practices where we start to feel them. We start to hear their voices. We start to know they're with us. And then that builds confidence. So then the phase two, the guide phase, you're prepared to start getting guidance because you've already had that taste of what it's like to connect with your angels. You already know, okay, I can do this. I'm confident in my ability. So now I can move forward. And in phase one as well, we we usually work with your guardian angel, the angels that are closest to you. And then in the guide phase, you start working with, you know, archangels. I love the cardinal archangels. I work with archangel Michael, archangel Gabriel, archangel Uriel, archangel Raphael. And it's like they're all around me all the time. And when I'm working with them, it's, you know, when, like I was saying before, that best friend where you just have those angels with you, wherever I go, they're with me and we're talking to them. So you start getting introduced to those angels and you start realizing, oh, Archangel Michael, I always thought he was like a protector angel. I didn't realize he, you know, could 
help with healing and there was these other aspects to them so we started to kind of get to know the angels a little bit more and then phase three is uplift where you start to raise your energy vibration so when you're connecting with the angels the higher your energy vibration the easier it is easier it is to connect with them and to hear them so if you work on raising your frequency raising your vibration then that connection becomes so much clearer because it's just like it's stronger you're at their level um, or closer to their level and you can hear them better and then maintaining because a lot of people who come to me they're like oh I used to connect with my angels and I used to get guidance and I used to do this but like I've stopped hearing them and I'll say to them well did you stop calling on them and they'd be like yeah yeah I did (laughs) and they'll say you know I like had a really good month where I was like working with them every day and I was like getting guidance but then I kind of stopped and I kind of forgot to do it so maintaining is all about maintaining that connection and making sure that you're not forgetting and that you are you know having that relationship with your best friend if you forgot to call your best friend for months at a time um you know you you obviously wouldn't be hearing their voice um so it's the same type of thing so it's just maintaining that connection i find that we all come in with the ability and as we grow and we become more i don't think hardened is the word but more proof based we want proof that things really exist. And perhaps we've had grownups say to us, oh, honey, that's just your imagination. That's not really true. We turn it off. But I have a a gal who went through my angelic attendant training and graduated and she had children your age, maybe even a little younger at the time, a couple of years ago when she first went through. And when they'd get in trouble for whatever she'd send them to their rooms and she'd say go have a conversation with your angels and then you know I'll let you know when you can come out of your room and she said they would come back with these replays of conversations with their angels and she said they got what the bottom line was what the, what they had done and how they could do it better and she said that the concepts were so far advanced of their ages and they were using words that were not in their vocabulary that they had gotten from the angels and i think that's a really good description and portrayal of how we all come in with the communication abilities and it's just I think it's relearning how to do it, developing and enhancing it. Wouldn't you agree that everybody comes in with the ability? uh, Totally. And children, they're so open to it. And as you said, there's often, and parents do it totally innocently, but they'll say, you know, that's not real or that's your imagination, as you said. And of course the child thinks, oh, well, if my parent who I trust, you know, um, fully, says that that's not real, then that must be true. Um, so yeah, it's like relearning. And often when I teach people these things, they'll say to me, if only I'd known how to do this when I was younger. And I say, well, you did actually know when you were younger, but you just forgot along the way. Um, so yeah, my mission is to help people to make that re- reconnection with the angels and to 
know that anyone can do it because I think a lot of people would think it's reserved for certain people who have certain abilities or talents and I always say to people everyone can do it because you know we all have the same ability and it's just getting that confidence and slowly kind of making that progress and you know when in my members group where I teach the uh, angel guidance rope app, when I see the people making those breakthroughs and they'll be like coming back to me and saying, I did it. I like got the sign or I got the message or I got the answer I was looking for. And um, it's so like, it's amazing because those are the very people who would have argued with me saying, I can't do this. Like, I know you think everybody can do this, but I can't. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think a lot of it has come down through the ages in in religions and cultures and civilizations where, to your point, only certain people had the ability or the right or were holy enough to communicate with God and the angels and the saints and all of that. And it ended up being a form of control. And I think the dichotomy of, okay, we're praying to the saints and the angels and whomever, Jesus, God, the Virgin Mary, whomever. Uh, but if you talk about that, you're getting messages from them, that's just your imagination. But we're taught that we're supposed to talk with them. That that never really resonated with me. That just didn't sound right, even when I was a child, that um, that, that whole concept was there. And the other thing is, are there certain angels that you call for certain tasks like is Raphael, the business angel and Michael's the protection angel and somebody else is the fertility angel or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so Raphael is best known as the healing angel and the and governs over all the healing angels. Um, but the angels are multifaceted. So um, even though we associate Raphael with healing, um, Raphael does other things as well. Um, you mentioned fertility angel. Yusuman is the angel um, of fertility. And, um, you know, the, Michael, as we said, communication, protection, but also healing and I find the more I work with the angels, the more I find that they're so multifaceted. And yes, I will call in certain angels when I'm asking for certain things. But what I'm finding is that often, as I said before, we may not know the name of an angel that we need. Or there might be, we might think, oh, well, Michael's the angel of communication. So I'll call on Michael. Um, but actually, I work with Shakina for um you know divine communication so there's so many levels to it and I think the best thing people will always say to me who should I work with and I'll always again bring it back to them when they've gone through this process I'll say well look who are you feeling called to work with and they'll always give me a name they'll say well, you know, even though I should probably be working with Raphael for healing, I'm really feeling connected or drawn to um, maybe Uriel. And it may be exactly what they need. Uriel's fire of life could be the very thing that they need to burn through the blockages that are causing the dis-ease in their body. So, yeah, I don't get hung up with who to call on or what the angels, um, you know, do, even though we learn all about this and we learn invocations. I always say, trust your inner guidance, trust 
what you're feeling drawn to. Um, use this as a guideline and then go within and trust what you're feeling drawn to. Is there a book of angel names? I never heard of an angel, Shakira. I thought she was a Shakina. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking Shakira. But but is there some big book of all these names? And I'll hear angel names with other people that work with angels, and I'll think, I never heard of that name before. Where's that name coming from? Is there some like big, big book of angel names or something? Yeah, well, I suppose I through my years of training and angel healing. I would have heard all of these names and learned about various angels. Um, there's a book, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, is it called A History of Angels or something like that? Um, that I think is has angel names. But there is an author who I love. Her name is Angela McGurr. And she has an angel almanac where she would mention um, a lot of the angel names and their um what they do and uh, their different traits. Um, but yeah, it's, I always say to people not to get too hung up on who you're calling on, because if you go within and trust your guidance, it's all about trust and it's all about empowering ourselves, because a lot of people think that the angels are above us. And that's not true. We're equal to the angels. We all are from the one source. We all are um, with within this, you know, divine mind, if you will. Um, and the angels aren't above or below us. They are our equals. They're simply our guides and our supporters and our helpers. Um, and they've committed to do that lovingly. So, um, yeah, I think that's an important thing for people to know as well. Well, that leads into my question about the hierarchy of angels. We have archangels, we have cherubs, we have guardian angels, we have these different names or categories of angels, but it's been my belief that they're all on the same level. And to your point, we all have a spark of the divine in us as the angels do as well. And it's all energy. So everybody's equal. Is that your perspective as well? Yeah, so there's, um, and even though I've studied the angels and the orders of angels, the hierarchies for years, um, I always, like, I, I always forget which which order are they from or which, you know, high level are they from, you know, are they cherubim or are they seraphim? And I think the reason is that it doesn't really matter all that much. We like to categorize things. And this is the mind that likes to categorize. It likes to put things into order. It likes to have this section, it likes to have this over here. And the angels don't really work that way. So there's the seraphim and Seraphiel is the governs over the seraphim. And it was always thought that the seraphim were on such a high level that we couldn't connect with them. And when I started working with angels, I found that I had a very strong connection with Seraphiel and Seraphim. And I work with Seraphiel every day. And now people will say, oh, um, we've raised our level so that we can we can now connect with the Seraphim. Um, but I think that, as you say, there's not necessarily this order as we see it. Um, there's it's all within the one. And I think we like to put things into an order um, so that we can relate to it. I agree. 
I agree a hundred percent. Well, the other thing that's so interesting is I woke up this morning, you know, you talk about getting divine guidance. And yesterday I was working with a client who had lost recently lost her husband of 30 years and she was in so much grief and so much pain. And so we talked to him and he, she said, I just want him to know how much I loved him. And his response was, I love you more than comprehension. And I thought, what an amazing statement. It made me weepy. It makes me a little teary now just talking about it. And I woke up this morning and I got the angels love us more than we can comprehend. And I don't believe there's any coincidence that I got that quote yesterday afternoon and here we are talking about angels but that the love that they feel for us and our and our spirits our deceased loved ones and and god and you know er, the whole group of spiritual beings love us in ways that we can't even begin to comprehend wouldn't you agree with that yeah and even i've been working with the angels for years and i connect with them and i feel that sense of joy, that sense of bliss when I'm like totally connected and the information or the message that I have been getting is that that bliss, that joy that I experience isn't even a droplet of the amount of joy and bliss and infinite um, levels of love. So yeah, there's, it's just, as you say, beyond our comprehension. Right, right. How can people find you? Tell us about your courses. We've got a couple of minutes left. Tell people how they can find you, how they can reach you about your show and about the courses and your books. Yes. So um, actually, before we finish, I wanted to share a card because I um, was asking for a message for the group. And this card came up. And this card is the golden bull of Alpha and Omega. And this card is all about being grounded, being in balance. And I thought it was a lovely message. And it's funny because I was just teaching yesterday inside my group that the message for this, um, the moon cycle is all about coming back into balance. So I... And I'm a Taurus. Oh, really? <laughs> How about that? The ball. Synchronicity. I'm a, I'm a May baby, so I'm a Taurus. <laughs> Brilliant. So for people who want to work with that grounded energy, um, they, you can call on the angels to help you to be in that state of groundedness and balance. Um, and it's such a beautiful state to be in because I was just saying that when we're out of balance, it's really hard to make good decisions. It's really hard to think clearly. And the angels can help us to bring our energy back into balance and a state of grounded alignment. Um, but I could go on all day about that. Um, I'll share my, the best place to find me is um, angelicbodies.ie. And um, I also have a free class if your um, listeners want to grab it. It's um, sandraray.com forward slash angels. And they can go there and they can learn about how to connect with the angels. Wonderful. And we'll post all of this information in the show notes of how people can get a hold of you. And the classes that you teach for people how to communicate, is that over 
a period of time or is it a certain number of classes? Is it something that you're leading? Is it something that somebody does on their own? Is it so how does that work? So I teach within my members group, the Fiercely Spiritual Family, and the classes can be done at your own pace. Um, You can join for one month. You can join for as long as you like. We have members who are with us for the past two years um, since it started up. And each month we meet on the full moon and the new moon and we do live um, sessions where we connect with the angels, we connect with the energy of the moon and we use that for healing and for the new moon. We call in desires and connect with that birthing energy of the new moon. So, um, yeah, it's really beautiful. And um, that's the best place to go if they want to work with me. Wonderful. Well, I could talk to you all day, but, you know, so much. We are on a time time schedule here. Thank you so much Thank for you. taking the time to talk to us about angels and about your journey and working with them and how we all can communicate with them. And you are just a delight and you're darling and I just adore you. So thank you so much, everybody. Check Sandra out. We'll post everything in the show links and send in love from sweet home Alabama and Ireland too, right? And Dublin as well. Okay. Thanks so much. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.